Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host, and today oh, okay. I'm very excited to bring you an interview with science fiction and fantasy author Ken Lazita. Ken, welcome to the show. Hello. It's um, great to finally get a chance to talk to you. We were just chatting uh, before the show that we were in the same place at the same time at the Neat Conference and uh, didn't manage to, to get together and chat there. Um, so I was really excited to be able to, to get you on the show today and, and uh, learn more about you and, and your books. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always exciting. Um, and you're a name that I'm familiar with already just from sharing some of the same space on the, you know, the Amazon charts and things like that. And of course I've seen your covers around. They're fantastic. Uh, we've got your, your cover Genesis up right now on screen. Can you tell people who aren't uh, familiar with you a little bit about your, your series and what they can expect when they pick up a Ken Lazita book? Okay. Well, um, the Genesis to first colony is literally what it is. It's our, takes place a couple hundred years in the future and it's, we send our first interstellar colony out um, into outer space. And um, our main character, his name is Connor Gates, he basically gets shanghaied onto the Ark, and um, he doesn't belong there. And um, it's a colony that was designed not to have a military, and he's a person who was in the military. So I, I for this series, I went specifically into the military sci-fi space, but not as a you know shoot 'em up just pure action it's more of um you know we're exploring a new world and we're fitting um this character's skill sets into this new world okay so i that's that's first colony genesis in a nutshell um yeah there's an ongoing obviously the it's six books long even okay. though the sixth book isn't released it will be next month but um it's okay. done so the series is six books long there'll be at least at least a seventh and um, as long as people keep reading it, I will keep writing stories in that series. It's set up to where it's, you know, I wouldn't, it doesn't have to be 20 books long, but if people really like it, I can keep it going for, for that long because it's, you know, when you're dealing with a colony world, there's really, you know, there's a number of different things that you can write about in, in that, um, in that space, which I like. So it's fun. Yeah. Um, is it, do you follow the same character the whole time? Is it Connor the entire time, the one protagonist, or do you switch it up? Connor is basically the main. There, there's a cast of characters. There are favorites in there. Um, uh, secondary characters that get developed and become, you know, um, a main character in their own right, and I tell stories from their points of view, mm -hmm. um, which is fun. So it, you know, it, so you don't get tired of Connor. <laughs> you know, yeah. but you, you have some other characters in there, and, and I, I, you know, I like, um, you know, it's fun to write different characters, so I, I kind of look for that. But I do not put, like, eight different points of view in my stories. I think it's it becomes, I don't like reading stories like that. It, it becomes overburdensome because I don't know who I'm trying to root for. So yeah. I usually try to limit it to about three um, at the most, or, or at least two main characters and maybe um, a third that he's not quite a secondary character, but he's not up as a main character. It, it seems I, I go um, depending on what the story requires. Okay. That's, uh, you know, um, that's we, model we I go. question from Sean who asks, is there an unexpected 
unexpected plot twist beyond colonization. Absolutely. That's the hook. <laughs> um, you know, one of the taglines is, you know, for the series or, the, you know, at least that first book was, um, you know, when we send our first colony ship out, we didn't know we'd be guaranteeing our own survival. Mm. So, you know, bad things happen. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like things go well for the Earth. No. Then. <laughs> so. Yeah. There were so many great books defending Earth. You know, yeah. I was like, I didn't have anything new I could bring to that space. And to be honest, the, the Ascension series, which is my other space opera series, I, I deal a lot with defending Earth. But again, it, you know, there were so many um, people who already wrote really good stories yeah. with fleets defending Earth. I, yeah, I had nothing new to contribute there. So I kind of yeah. wanted something a little bit different. And um, thank God there was an audience out there that wanted it, too. So it was, it's yeah. been great. And I think that you know there there is that sort of audience who's used to that who've, who've seen this you know people growing up with Battlestar Galactica and people who are willing oh, to, to yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> watching those kind of shows and um, Sean mentions he says it's ninety nine cents or ninety nine pence he says on Amazon so he's in the UK so a great deal to start out with sounds like it too for uh, yeah for Genesis. We could talk about pricing strategy. <laughs> yeah, we'll get yeah. into that later, and in maybe in the more of the book side. But uh, so you mentioned you've got multiple sci-fi series, and you've also got um, a couple of fantasy series. Yeah, I started off writing a fantasy series. Um, it, it was really um, a science fiction story disguised as a fantasy, or I think the uh, the current terminology is portal fantasy. Hmm, nice. um, okay. It's you know when I wrote it and when I marketed it, it was an epic fantasy. You know, it was, it was just my main character is a guy from Earth who's not from Earth, but he goes back. He, you know, his family is from another world, and he goes back there. And it's, you know, it, it's got influences like Superman because he's not okay. from home, and he goes yeah. there and he essentially becomes a superhero. Or although that might make fantasy readers cringe. Um, but there's sci-fi models for that too. John Carter from Mars, that sort of thing. Yeah, where it's, yeah. yeah. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah, there's, like there's a them. lot of yeah. crossover. Um, how do you see? So when you started writing fantasy and then you kind of switched into sci-fi, do you feel like your readers came along for the ride, or do you feel did you feel like it was starting fresh with a, a whole new genre? Um, I felt I was starting fresh. I mean, there were some. Um, you know, core readers who, who followed me since the beginning. But I mean, I, I, if you went through the Safranarian order series, I mean, it, that series, you know, you have the guy from earth, he goes to a fantasy world. Well, the, the invading force that they were dealing with was from another world, you know, and it, and mm-hmm. it had a lot of, you know, more sci-fi, ep, um, sci-fi elements and um, to be brought in rather than we're facing this demon god or, or, or take your pick of whatever epic fantasy thing that's out there. Um, I think at some point when I was writing that book, I was like, now I'm going in this direction and uh, I loved it. Um, people did. Um, but I get that it's a very niche audience. So when, when I decided that I had all these um, sci-fi elements in the story, I'm just going to write something um, near future. And that's when I wrote the Ascension series. And it was very much an experiment. I did not have any idea how well-received it would be. Um, but it, it was good. I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed writing it. I 
try to improve what each book I write. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, of course. Who were your big influences? I know you said you, you read a lot of fantasy, but I also saw on your website you were writing from a very early age. Uh, it was a fun story on your website about getting a word processor from your parents. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. The word processor, we didn't have the dictionary disk, so whenever you spelt the word wrong, it you, you know, you heard, you know, <laughs> look it up, you know, um, old-fashioned dictionary. Um, That's yeah, funny. that was when, the little four-inch screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, my grades improved from me trying to tell a story and uh, spelling it right. Well, that's good. I mean, it sounds like you were practicing from an early age and, of course, obviously reading from an early age. So, um, yeah, so who were your your big influences as far as books um, starting out? Um, I read a lot of Pierce Anthony, Terry Brooks, Robert yeah. Jordan, you know, a lot of the well-known fantasy guys, uh, Raymond E. Feist and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, probably within the last 10 years, somebody threw a David Weber book at me. Okay. And and I just fell in love with that. I read from, um, Empire from the Ashes, which is Mutineer's Moon, and um, I can't remember the other two books. But it was basically the moon is a is a planetoid spaceship, and it was like you know kind of a different type of take on our history, and then I, yeah. it just blew me away. It's called the De- I, people refer to it as the De Hawk series, one of my favorite ones. And then I read his Honor Harrington, and it kind of opened the um, opened the way for for sci-fi, which I didn't read so much as a younger kid, mm. um, was fantasy based, and then um, then I yeah. switched over. <laughs> so. Um... Obviously, when did you first? When did you publish your first book? Two thousand thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, so yeah, I'm similar time frame for when I first started, but you have put out massively more than I have. Um, what's your What's your daily writing like? I mean, because it seems like you, you put out uh, six books last year in twenty seventeen, which is which is phenomenal. Um, I know you've put out already four this year. What's your What's your day look like when you're writing this stuff out? Well. Um... 2017 was a transitional year. It, um, I I started going full time. Um, okay. That and then and I, I was g- getting laid off. So I was there was some motivation for me to put out a little bit more books and and launch the first colony series. That's that was my main goal. Um, and then this year I've been full time. I'll I'll be full time for a few years to come. You know, so. Yeah. Um, as long as that keeps going well, I'll 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 keep, I'll keep writing. But um, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I had a quick I, question pop up um, about the artwork behind you, which I knew was going to happen at some point. Which uh, cool. was, um, what is the artwork behind Ken Sean asks? Book inspired, perhaps? It's actually the cover. It's the cover art for Sanctuary, which is the fourth book in the First Colony series. Okay. Um, Jeff Brown is the artist who did it for me, and um, I'm like. I'm like, I liked it so much, I sent it to Staples so I could put it up on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it, he's he's done, God, I think he's done 12 of my books. He's a, he does good work. I like uh, I like working with him. Yeah, I know, it's phenomenal. And, of course, you know, having seen your, your covers all over the, the Amazon charts, his scheme works. I mean, the, the topography and everything in the art, obviously, it just it all does does what it's supposed to do and, and really draws you in so i think that's uh she's jeff jeff brown I'm yeah sure everyone will be knocking on his door if they're not already um well we also had another question which was do you make a distinct separation with fantasy novels and genesis i.e rely on hard science fiction concepts um 
What's what's your dividing line there? Okay. Um, I don't write hard science fiction. Okay. I have hard science fiction concepts when I do the inception of the story, but I I actually go out of my way to make it either um, like layman's terms mm-hmm. or play with concepts be, because there are some... I think hard science fiction is extraordinarily difficult to do and make entertaining. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people don't do it right. Um, so I, I don't want to read a textbook. And right. I know most readers don't. And, and what I'm... The type of stories that I do try to tell is, you know, the fun escapism type story where you don't have to work extraordinarily hard to get immersed. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, especially with, you know, you have everything that's distracting you today from the story. I don't. I don't want people to have to work that hard. Yeah, and I think that that makes sense because in a in a scenario where you've already got an audience that's coming to the books with some established genre tropes in mind, like they've probably seen Battlestar Galactica, they've probably seen Star yeah. Trek, they have a lot of these base concepts already there in their heads. So it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to reinvent them all with every book. Um, I think that's probably smart from a writing perspective. Um, but getting back to what I was asking about, like what your day looks like as far as writing, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about your your day to day. Okay, so my day to day when I'm right now, I'm in between. I'm waiting for my editor to give me feedback. Mm-hmm. So um, I would, I just coming off of a few days off, thankfully, because I I actually tried to finish this book before the Nink conference, and yeah, yeah, I didn't even know what day it was. It wasn't going to work. So, you know, now when I arrange my schedule, um, I try to do a majority of my writing in the morning, sometimes into the afternoon, and then I do revisions. And as the week goes on, um, that kind of changes a little bit, where I'm doing a little bit of revisions in the morning and some more writing in the afternoon. Um, I do use dictation when I write, okay. which means I need to get back to it within 48 hours. Otherwise, it may not make any sense to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I do correct on the screen as I go because I, I, I think that's important. Okay. Um, but He's dragging? I, yes. Yeah. Okay. But when I made the commitment to do this full time, you know, I kept thinking, well, what if I break my wrist? You know, mm-hmm. um, I, the top of my business plan is to pay my mortgage, you know, right. when I, when I, um, you know, when I approached my wife saying, you know, this stuff is going on, I'm, I want to do this full time. I, I had a track record of increasing su- success to support that, mm-hmm. but not a true business plan, um, okay. which says this is how I'm going to do things. And, um, and most important is probably an exit strategy in case I wasn't making enough money to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the goal is, you know, to pay the bills. Um, mm-hmm. That was, you know, every decision I make. Um, what t- is tailored to that because um, you know I have a family, I have responsibilities. Um, yeah. They want to eat. <laughs> I like having a house. Darn and, uh, kids! They keep asking for food. Yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. Now, now they're teenagers, so now they want cars. <laughs> so I, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, so it makes sense. That's what tailor. That's what tailors it. Um, Do you have a specific word count per day that you're trying to hit, or does it depend on what you're getting into that? You know, I used to be very um, into word counts, and I and I am for for productivity point of view. But I'm also now cognizant of hitting a certain chapter 
um, having been written over the course of a week. So okay. usually I'll strive for um, 4,000 words a day or two chapters. And it depends. Some of them are shorter and easier to write, but some of them are a little bit more difficult, especially when you're um, into a like a space battle type scene. It requires certain mechanics for it to work right. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those take a little bit longer, but you know some of the setup or the aftermath is a little bit easier to write. Um, so minimum two chapters, but I generally stick to around four thousand words. Um, sometimes it'll be three. You know, it just depends on, on what, what has to get done. Um, I also, the way I break my schedule up is I, I try to stick to Monday through Friday and leave the weekends for me to be sane. Yeah. Um, doesn't work out. Families, families like to see you too. Yeah. 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 So what I've found that's been working for me recently is, you know, doing the dedicated writing days Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday, leaving Wednesday to catch up with revisions. Hmm. Okay. Um, it, it does give me some flexibility to do the other things that just hang over your head. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing that just required for the business, like, you know, your ads and running numbers and things like that, um, planning other stories. Yeah, know. I'd like to talk about that, the planning, because I, I know that, one of the biggest challenges I think that comes, especially with dictating, is you have to know what you're going to say before you say it. Uh, a lot of the time, otherwise you you might just wander off on tangents. What's your planning look like? Do you plan a whole series in advance, one book at a time? Uh, yeah, no, I, it depends. Like um, for the first colony, I, I had a three book arc in mind, um, and then. As readers were more interested in that series, I'm like, okay, I can write another arc, and we can go in a couple of different directions with it. So, so that's what I have in mind. I try now. I try to make things a little bit self-contained. Where if I had to walk away, it, you know, it would be fine, and the reader would be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the arcs are like two book arcs, where yeah, I, I couldn't leave you hanging like that. That would be wrong, yeah. you know. But um. Because I've had series that, you know, began to underperform, which I've had to stop and then write um, something else. Um, we can talk about that. Um, sure. Ascension series, um, the first three books did excellent. The fourth and fifth book did okay, but it wasn't um, it wasn't going to be enough to pay the bills. Okay. And at the time, I found out I was being laid off in like five months. And I was like, well, all right. Let's take a good, honest look at what's going on here, and um, yeah. and see what other sub, you know, what other uh, stories I'd like to tell, um, and you know, and that's that's ultimately what I did. And the side effect of that was breathing new life into these series that was starting to underperform, where they both started to perform, which, which was nice. And then I went back and finished it. Okay. So, and that, I think good. those are the kind of the tough decisions that professional authors have to make. As opposed to more just hobby writing type yeah. authors, like it's it's a you have to have a business plan, like you said, you have to have a strategy. You can't just wing it and hope for the best. Yeah. And I think that's a a big difference between the people that you know do get to pay the, pay the bills with their writing versus not. Um, so, but it's fantastic yeah. that by writing the other series that you were able to breathe life back into that one. That's that's a pretty yeah. cool story. Yeah, I call it being a hobbyist with potential. There's a certain <laughs> amount of freedom and, and fun. It's yeah. not any less fun doing it full-time, but 
there's definitely a little bit more freedom for experimentation. Now I, mm-hmm. I budget experimentation into the type of stories I tell. So it's just, you know. Yeah. But I ultimately enjoy all the stories I tell. <laughs> yeah. And that's so. the main thing. You've got to be having fun with it or, you know, the readers won't. Um, Sean says, got the Kindle sample. We'll start tonight. This could be the new series I've been looking for. Cool. Thank Mar- you. Marilyn says, me too. So, all right. And you got two, two new readers. Thanks, guys. Um, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so you'll have some new some new feedback. The uh, you mentioned that you do take some time in the middle of the week for marketing and the other things that obviously have to get done besides the writing. What are some strategies and things that are working for you uh, right now in, in the marketing side of things? Um, I I do some like I was doing only Amazon type ads. Um, and then, well, I'm, I jumped right into ads. All right, for me, marketing starts when I start conceiving a new series because I'm designing a series for a particular audience. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I write a wonderful book that nobody wants to read, it's not good for anybody. Right. Um, so I, I, I am definitely aware of, um, of the particular type of audience I want to go for when I'm writing a new series. So for me, marketing starts then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other stuff is just keeping it going. And the other stuff is, you know, what you hear people. I started dabbling a little bit more in Facebook ads. But honestly, as we reach the holiday season, I'll back off of them because it just becomes too cost prohibitive to, mm-hmm. to continue with that. At least that's what I've seen the last few years. Um, usually November, everybody starts ramping up their ads. and yeah, audience, just, Audiences get very expensive. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, I'll just wait till January. <laughs> you know, it's, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Amazon ads, um, I, I think they're a great approach to, um, especially if you're marketing on a budget, and mm-hmm. it's what it's what I tell every writer who ever asks about it, because um, they uh, you know they won't take all your money. Right. <laughs> and um, I like Facebook. We'll just be like, yeah, Thanks. Oh, that here, was great. Where's the rest? Yeah. As far as um, some specifics, um, I've experimented running ads with like two thousand keywords on down and I found the most effective is not to be more than a hundred keywords per ad if you're doing a keyword ad because if no matter how long you leave it running at least in my experience you only see that top percentage of keywords actually being served served Mm -hmm. as getting impressions and stuff like that so why waste all my keywords on an ad that's not gonna not gonna (laughs) be served where I can take, you know, if I had 2000 keywords, I could spread, you know, in 50 to a hundred chunks and have, you know, multiple ads doing the same type of thing. Um, that helps, you know, um, targeting readership that's similar to my own. Anything I'm going to say here, I I believe is already been said. Hmm. Um, what about as far as your actual like interaction with readers? Uh, do you have a particular reader group? I'm assuming you have a mailing list. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a mailing list. Um, I do have two reader magnets um, as far as short stories. One is actually from the fantasy series, and I have one for the Ascension series, which I did offer to um, the readers of the first colony um, just to say, hey, I've written something over here. You might be interested in it. And mm-hmm. and, and people, um, they do get the story. I I, I, I'm actually planning to send a newsletter out about this asking, you know, hey, do you guys like the short story? Because short yeah. fiction is definitely, um, it's a skill set I'd like to develop. But mm-hmm. honestly, at heart, I'm a novel writer. And yeah. 
that that's how I tend to think of things. So that's the biggest it, challenge about reader magnets is they're not if they're not on Amazon as well, you don't get any reviews, you don't get any feedback on them. Yeah. Other than yeah, exactly. Yeah, if so, they haven't complained, that's good, but if they haven't, you know, said this was wonderful, then you really kind of in the dark. I like the short story, and honestly, I'm like, God, this would actually be a pretty decent book to tell the story to tell. And I was like, yeah. I wonder if I should write serialized things and just offer it to them, um, yeah, when I have time. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, that, I definitely have that. I also I do have a Facebook group for readers, which okay. I I do I I don't take just anyone. I I, I kind of just want to make sure it's people who have actually read the book. Hmm. So it's a community of, you know, of for, for readers. Okay. I mean, you know, that, that's really what I'm looking to, who I'm looking to interact with in there. Um, what, uh, what's the name of your group? Um, Are you able to share it? Or? Well, you can find it at the, link, at, the at the end of the books. There you, you go. Know, so right. You earn that knowledge. There you go. <laughs> Exclusivity is key. You know, you got you to gotta earn your way in. That's, that's uh, part of the appeal. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's good motivation to get to the end. Yeah. Um, we've we've spawned a debate in the comments about shorts. Sean, Sean says novels rule no shorts, and Marilyn says, "Wait, I love shorts." So you got a couple of different dissenting opinions already in the comments here. But um, I think I thought you had an interesting point where it's kind of nice to be able to put out a short story and think, "Hey, this could be a novel." Like, is this interest? Is this piquing enough people's interest to then turn this into a full length story? Or right. Um, but yeah, it's hard to know sometimes if you should devote. It's that marketing brain again, the the, the professional author brain. Like if I'm going to devote months of time and effort and and uh, funds to publishing this thing, I'd like to know it's going to work first. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll let Sean and Marilyn debate that out in the, in the comments. <laughs> That'll be good. But uh, I saw we had a comment from Mark earlier as well, who said he's also checking out your stuff. So um, that's great. But yeah, anyone who has, if you, have, if you guys have questions for Ken, um, absolutely, whether you want to ask them live or if you're watching this later in the replay, if you want to post up comments, I'm sure Ken would be happy to, to pop back on and, and answer your, your questions later on. So feel free to take advantage of the live format, or even if you're um, watching the replay later on. And this right. will be a, a podcast episode for those of you guys. Anyone who is not, not aware, this is also going to be available on Podbean and iTunes. Feel free to subscribe to Book Faces and get all this awesome content. So, um, one of the things I, I like to ask authors um, is, what's something that you know now that you wish, starting out, Ken, the writer, uh, would have known? Something I wish I would have known. Or anything that, um, you know, maybe you, you wish you would have gotten to a little bit quicker, or um, if someone had told you along the way? Um, I'm an overnight success five years in the making, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a reason why it takes a little bit longer to learn how to tell a good story. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know of things I could have done differently that would have changed where I ended up. Um, you That's know, because it, 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 at the time when I first re released the, fir the first book I ever wrote, I didn't really have that much as far as expectations other than, hey, let's see how this works. And then it became like, okay, I want to finish this story and keep going. And, let, you know, it's 
I, I get, um, I very much ascribe to that game mentality as far as like, you know, when I start tracking word counts that I produce for the day, well, that started to go up. It's like, how mm-hmm. much can I do? And then now it's more like, what's really comfortable? <laughs> yeah. Know? So for me, writing 8,000 words in a day, why well, it's doable, but it's certainly not comfortable. And I don't, and I feel like the quality of the work goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, at those upper upper levels, um, mm-hmm. so that's for me. I mean, there's all the people who could do it, no problem, um, and my hat goes off to them. But uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I think that's a fair point, and especially when new writers are consuming all this content, whether it's from podcasts or, or author authors' tips and strategies, that you definitely have to take this and then apply it to your own particular method in the way that works for you. Because, you know, you can't write like someone else necessarily. And I think that's an excellent point that you have to learn the ropes somehow. There's no skipping the line really when it comes to craft. You know, just, you know, there's all these um, sayings like it's a marathon and stuff. I mean, take mm-hmm. time to to learn your craft. Read from the writers whose writing you want to emulate. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a huge Jim Butcher fan, and I don't like private detective stories. I like how Jim Butcher sets up a scene for his Dresden Files. I'm not going to write urban fantasy, but right. man, I, I think he has such a powerful command of the language that, you know, in essence, he's like my writing mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, because I look at that, I'm like, God, I, I, I know I can use some of how he drives that tension and, and stuff like that. So you, you never stop learning your craft. I, you know, yeah. You know, uh, I know <laughs> that there were... Your, your career. There's, you there's stories of some very famous authors who learned craft from actually transcribing other authors' works, like actually reading and then ty- writing out or typing mm. the way other authors wrote, like just rewriting those guys' books and just learning how the sentences flow, learning how the the craft works and nowadays i mean who has time to sit there and, and rewrite someone else's book just to learn the, the art but yeah it's the, the same basic concept um and it's some of those little things can set you apart um when it comes, comes to craft for sure and learning from the the ones who are legends um so we've managed to, to blaze through half an hour pretty quickly. I, know, right? I, know. I was like, oh man, there's so much more, so much more we could talk about. But I, I can talk to other sci-fi authors all day. Um, but in the interest of, of keeping to the to the schedule here, um, where can people? Where's the best place for people to connect with you? I know you have a, a very exclusive uh, Facebook group somewhere, but if people want to just reach out to you and connect with you now, where's the best place for people to find you? Just go to my website. It's just my name, KenLozito.com, and there you can you can send me an email. Um, you can read a book, and that has all my contact. And I'm not, I'm basically email or Facebook. I don't I don't have Twitter because I I just don't like the platform. Mm-hmm. No offense to anybody on there, but it's just it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, um, it's not for everyone. You know, email is great. <laughs> Facebook is fine too. Yeah, I went ahead and posted for you on Twitter, and I went to try to tag him. I'm like, that's, nope, that's not going to work out. But he'll at least he's got some. Pre- I, there were some posts on there. There's some people talking, oh, really? talking about you on Twitter already, so that's good. Um, but all good stuff, obviously. So, all right, so KenLazito.com, people will check it out. And then, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Genesis First Colony is uh, available for 99 cents on uh, on Amazon. So people should definitely check that out if they, if they haven't already. Um, Ken, thanks so much for taking the time to to be on the show and coming and hang out with us. 
Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I look forward to uh, having you on again uh, sometime in the future. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one.